Good morning and welcome to Alpine Bible Church. I know it's deja vu because I, I just said that, but um, it's so good to be here uh, and I'm usually hanging out with your teenagers, teaching them and hanging out with them, which for some reason, I've just been blessed with the ability to enjoy that. Unlike, you know, many other people, I just don't get it. They're, they're just so much fun. I just don't get it. Anyways, um, I uh, am really excited to teach uh, what God has been laying on my heart. And I really hope that we have a, a productive dialogue and really uh, get, to, get to the question of faith and what it means for our lives and for those um, that we love and just how much faith has, is, has an impact on us. So um, before we begin, before we dive into the verses, I want to ask you a question. And the question might be a little uncomfortable, and it maybe may, maybe gets you to think a little bit. So that question, before I go too long into explaining what it is, uh, the question is: What distinguishes you as a follower of Christ from someone who does not? What is the difference between you and someone who has no um, no concept of like faith in Christ. Yeah, and if you're a 10 and 11 year old, you can leave. I'm sorry. I usually lead that class, so I always forget when it's happening. It's just, it just happens. So, sorry, you guys can go. Anyways, what's the difference? Uh, I think there are many answers that you could give that are equally valid. You could give a bunch of answers of why, why you're different from someone that doesn't follow Christ. But what I think truly separates the believer from the unbeliever is exactly that. It's belief. It's belief that separates it. And belief is the most fundamental value of a follower of Christ. And uh, the reason why I say that is because without faith, without belief, there would be no ground or nothing to stand upon why you uh, follow Christ. And faith has always been the foundation of a relationship with God. And actually, Paul in the book of Romans goes into this in uh, chapter four. Yeah, there we go. We got it on screen. So Paul is writing to the believers in Rome and he writes four verse three. so So he says, for what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now, righteousness is not really a term we use unless we, you know, live on the beach and surf all our lives. We, we usually don't use it, right? So what does righteousness mean? And a righteousness, a very simple definition of it, a biblical definition of righteousness is having a right standing before God, being in a right relationship with God. That's what righteousness is. And that's really incredible that Abraham has this right standing, this right relationship with God. And what's crazy is that Paul, after this, says that that wasn't just for Abraham. It was now not for his sake only. It was written that it was credited to him, but for our sake also to whom it will be credited. As those who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, he who was delivered over because of our transgressions, he who was... um, 
and we raised and was raised because of our justification. Faith is the most foundational element of a relationship with God, whether that be 4,000 years ago in the time of Abraham or 2,000 years ago in the believers in Rome or today. Faith is the foundation. And uh, today we are going at a book in a, a chapter that really dives into this and Uh, Maybe some of you won't be thrilled, but we're going back to the book of Hebrews. (laughs) Just feels like we got out of that, but we'll be in Hebrews chapter 11. And uh, Hebrews chapter 11 has a very uh, well-known title. And maybe we even used it when we were there, or maybe you know it. It's usually called the... Oh, I heard someone say it. Yes. It's called the Hall of Faith. Usually I ask for audience participation in uh, youth group and I just get nothing. <laughs> so uh, it's awesome. Someone said it. So it's usually called the Hall of Faith. And uh, it sounds, it, it's what it sounds like. We have halls of fame celebrating, you know, the best football basketball players, musicians, and it's like you go into these places and you look and you're like, oh man, these people did such amazing things. They were able to, I don't know, score 300 touchdowns or, I don't know, catch whatever, Jerry Rice. I don't know. I actually have never been to a Hall of Fame. I had the chance to go to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but I turned it down, which I don't know why I just told you that, but it did happen. Um... But um, Hebrews, the hall of faith, is, like it sounds, it's people who put their faith in God in truly dire circumstances, circumstances that didn't look like they were going to play out, and God rewarded them with their faith, with um, seeing his promises come to fruition. And uh, we celebrate these people, we look at them, and... um, And if you could open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11, we will be looking at the faith that they had. Because if faith is the most foundational element, the most foundational value of our relationship with God, and if these people are in the hall of faith, I think like we would want to emulate their faith in God. Just like, I don't know, uh, when I was growing up, I loved football, and I was like, Brett Favre is the greatest. I want to be like Brett Favre. So I, you know, tried to throw like him. Not nearly as talented or as good, so it didn't really work out in the end. But uh, we look at these, these people. And uh, the definition, uh, Hebrews 1 opens up with a definition of faith. And uh, Hebrews 11.1 1 says... Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. The writer of Hebrews gives us a very clear definition of what faith is. And what faith isn't is a, uh, I hope it is sunny tomorrow so I can, you know, grill or, you know, not die in a snowstorm on my way to work. 
You know, it's not like this thing that you hope to be true or a thing that you don't know is going to happen. Faith is an assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. It's a it's holding on to a complete certainty because you know it to be true, even though you cannot perceive it, even though you have not seen it or it, is, it doesn't look likely. And the verse after that says, for by it the men of faith before by it the men of old gained approval. So by faith, men of old gained approval from God. That's, you know, for instance, the story of Abraham. God credited his, his uh, righteousness to him because of his faith. And uh, I always thought this was interesting. Why, why, is, why does God do that with faith? I mean, personally... When I am looking for people to be on my team, I don't look for people who necessarily trust me. I look for people who are, you know, strong, fast, tall, can, you know, can dunk. Those are usually the people I look for at first. Or uh, brave or ambitious or successful or intelligent. And believe it or not, that isn't the thing that God looks for. God doesn't look for um, the, the strong, the successful, the ambitious, the, the talented. And Hebrews 11 is, a t- is testimony of that. Um, Hebrews 11 is full of cowards, sinful, unintelligent, and sometimes just lazy, per- lazy people, which personally gives me great hope. You know, makes me feel a little better about myself and say, you know, maybe I can be in that hall of faith someday. Hebrews uh, 11, 8 through 12 recounts the, the story of Abraham. And if you're unfamiliar with Abraham, he's the, he's the father of the Jewish nation. He lived about 4,000 years ago. He was who we were talking about earlier. And when we start reading this book, God calls him to this, this land that God is going to give him. And uh, Abraham is 75 at the time, and his wife is 65. And it says that he's leaving home for the first time. Now, you guys thought 30-year-olds in basements were bad. Abraham's been living with his parents for 75 years just let that sink in. <laughs> All right. But Abraham leaves with Sarah after God tells him of this promise. And uh, there's two problems. Abraham has no idea where he's going. And Abraham and Sarah don't have a child. And God promises him a land, land and a family. And if I was Abraham, I would go, you know what? I'm past my prime. My wife, she's a little past her prime. I don't know if we're necessarily going to be able to make, you know, a baby. But God promises him and he leaves. And uh, when they reach the promised land, things don't exactly go according to plan. Or at least according to Abraham's plan. Uh, there's a famine in the land, 
and he ends up having to leave and he goes to Egypt and he lies about his wife. You know, he's like, she, he goes, oh, he's, she's not my wife. Uh, and then this, this plague happens on the Egyptians and the Pharaoh's like, why did you deceive us? And so they, they end up going back to the land and then a bunch of kings go, we don't want Abraham and his, fam- his, uh, his camp here. So they start trying to cut it, kick him out and they, they send this army and Abraham ends up defeating them. And all these things happen, another famine. And, uh, and uh, these things keep going wrong for Abraham. And it's been over a decade and he still doesn't have a son. And at this point in the story, if I was Abraham, I would be like, God, I left everything for this promised land, for this family that you promised to me. Why isn't it happening? I mean, 10, 10 years, over 10 years of him doing this. And not only just like 10 years of, you know, uh, milk and honey, but 10 years of hardship. In Genesis 15, 1 through 6, we get what uh, this interchange between God and Abraham. Abraham says, uh, Abraham's doubting, and it says, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham, or Abram, because that's what he used to be called, in a vision, saying, Do not fear, Abram. I am a shield to you. Your reward shall be very great. Abram, Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me since I am childless? And the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, since you have given no offspring to me, no one born in my house is my heir. Then behold, the word of the Lord came to him saying, this man will not be your heir, but one who will come forth from your own body and he shall be your heir. And he took him outside and said, now look towards the heavens and count the stars. If you are able to count them, he said to him, so shall your descendants be. Then he believed in the Lord and he reckoned, in, reckoned it to him as righteousness. So out of everything, purity, love, charity, grace, temperance, patience, mercy, God chooses to reward Abraham for no other virtue than the virtue of faith. That's what it says. And uh, it's interesting, but I believe the answer is simple. That God rewards Abraham for his faith, for his belief, because God desires above all things for us to trust him. And uh, it makes sense. If you look back at the, the first sin, you see that Adam and Eve are in the garden. And God tells them, you know, do not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And they're like, okay, that sounds like a sweet deal. We can eat all the other fruit and do all the other things. It's a good deal. We agree. And then a serpent comes and goes, you know, did God really say it looks so good. You're going to, you know, become wise. You're going to be like God if you eat that. And it says that Eve looked at the fruit and saw that it was good for, you know, it looked delicious and that it was good for acquiring uh, wisdom and she ate it. 
And what they did in that moment was they decided not to trust what God had told them. They decided instead to trust what they saw as good. And what is committing sin but a lack of faith in God and a mistaken trust in what you see to be good? That, that is sin. It is, a, it is a lack of faith in God and a mistaken trust in what you see to be good. So it makes sense that unrighteousness comes through unbelief and unrighteousness comes through belief. That's why uh, the New Testament is so focused on faith and the righteousness that comes through belief in Christ. Uh, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace you have been saved uh, through faith and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. Romans 1.17 says, For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, that is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. For God uh, gives us clear instructions in John 3.16 that the only requirement for a relationship with God is faith in His Son. Not that we who believe don't have sin, but we have faith that God has forgiven our sin through Christ Jesus on the cross. And we understand that faith has always been the requirement for righteousness, that being in a right relationship with God, whether that be 4,000 years ago, 2,000 years ago, or today. And faith, faith is like a foundation. And uh, it is only as strong as what it is built on. Uh, a foundation on sand doesn't really work, or a foundation on a swamp doesn't really work because they're shaky, they're, they're unsustaining, uh, they're not strong. And, uh, but faith uh, placed on something that's strong, that has a foundation, faith placed on the author of the universe, faith placed on the, the Lord that has created all things, who died and rose again, and um, a faith placed on Christ, the unchangeable Christ, is a faith that will last forever because the foundation is strong. And uh, this is what I believe the hall of faith is all about. I don't really think it's about the people in their faith. But it's a de demonstration of the quality of the foundation, meaning it's a demonstration of the faithfulness of God, not the demonstration of the faith of the people in the hall of faith. And um, because... The, the stories are testifying uh, not about the amazing amount of belief that they had, but they prove over and over again, despite the odds, repeatedly, that God is faithful to his promises no matter what the situation looks like. Um, in fact, I kind of look at the hall of faith as like a reference 
you know, like when you apply for a job and you get references, like all these people are putting signatures next to their lives. Like, yeah, he proved himself faithful. God, God is who he says he is. He, he completes his promises. And all these people's lives testify to the fact that God is faithful. In fact, the writer of Hebrews 12.1 will designate them as a great cloud of witnesses, witnesses to the faithfulness of God. And uh, Hebrews 11, 30 through 35 talks about some of the ways that God comes through. It says, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the harlot did not perish along with those who were disobedient after she had welcomed the spies in peace. And what more shall I say? For time will fail me if I tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jepheth, and, and of David and Samuel and the prophets, who by faith conquered kingdoms, performed acts of righteousness, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, from weakness were made strong, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight, women received back their dead by resurrection, others were tortured, not accepting their release, so that they might obtain a better resurrection." The crazy thing is that this God who did all these things is the same God that we worship today. The same God we worship and serve and we we sing songs to and we pray to is the same same God who did all of these things. And uh, his hall of faith, this hall of faith is a testimony to his faithfulness to accomplishes the promise promises that he gives. And we can view belief as a a one-time thing, as a a fire insurance, but I don't really think that's what faith is supposed to be. Uh, Like Romans says, the just shall live by faith. Live by faith. And uh, the story of Abraham talks about it in, in Hebrews 11, 8 through 12. It says, by faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive for inheritance, and he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he lived as an alien in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise, for he was looking for the city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By faith, even Sarah herself received ability to conceive, even beyond the proper time of life, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, there was born even of one man in him as good as dead as that, as many descendants as the stars of heaven, in number and innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. When reading the account of Abraham in Genesis, it's easy to see that it was an ongoing process. Abraham keep, kept believing in God, kept trusting in him. Did he fail? Absolutely. <laughs> like, it's obvious that he failed. He kept, uh, he, he lied a bunch. He, he doubted God, but he kept believing. When, when reading the, uh, um, the account, it's, it's obvious that that's true, but um, just a second. And um, 
Oh, yeah. What's crazy is on this list, um, these people who are in the Hall of Faith, why I also think it's a Hall of God's faithfulness, faithfulness, not a Hall of Faith, is that on the list we find Abraham, who's a liar, but we also find uh, a prostitute, a murderer, <laughs> uh, adulterers, these people who were not perfect by any means. I mean, Samson is in the hall of faith. You guys remember Samson? His life was like, he was pathetic. <laughs> like, I don't even know how he just, he, he let Delilah like kept, like just manipulate him for so long. But anyways, all these people. And I believe if they were here today, they wouldn't say, yeah, look at me, I had great faith. Look at, at, at the faith that I had. But instead they would tell us that it was never about how good they were or how much faith they had, but it was the faithfulness of God to come through on his promises and that God prevailed even when their faith waned. Uh, we are, as I said earlier, we are believers not those who have believed. We are believers, which means it's an ongoing faith to trust God rather than our eyes. And what we learn from Abraham and all these witnesses is that God is faithful to his promises, even when we cannot comprehend how it's going to work out. Abraham had every reason to doubt what God had promised him from his perspective. He was way too old. He was... Um, there was famine, there was war, there was all these things, but God delivered every single one of his promises, even after Abraham was dead. And um, you might be thinking that, why are we talking about Abraham? Why does, why is that, uh, why does that apply to me? Well, it absolutely does, because Abraham was promised things by God, and we also have promises made by God. God has made us so many promises, and he promises that he will fulfill them. And uh, Colossians 2.6 says, So as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, continue to walk in him. How do you receive Christ? By faith. How do you walk in Christ? By faith. And... Uh, these promises that Christ gives us are, there's so many and they're so amazing. Just one chapter, the book of Romans chapter eight is, has these amazing promises in them. So, um, do I have them? No, I don't have them. All right. Anyways, I'm just going to read you some of these promises. One of them is that there is no condemnation for those who are in Jesus Christ. Romans 8, 1. There is no condemnation for those who are in Jesus Christ, meaning there is nothing that can come against you, that he's justified you, that you are clean. Another one is that God works all things for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. Another one, that nothing shall separate us from the love of God, of which is in Jesus Christ. That's one chapter of the New Testament. And those promises are just as valid as for you, as for me, as for you, because we are believers 
in Christ. Um, there is an abundance of promise that God makes to us. And our response to that is to believe, to trust, to hold on, and remember who God is. And we know who God is because of this hall of his faithfulness. This hall of this great faithfulness, as well as our own lives. Um, If you do not know the promises of God, look them up. (laughs) We got a great book for that. If you do know them, remember them. Remember them because as is demonstrated, he will fulfill them in time. It might not be exactly how you see it working at the moment. It might not be how you view it as uh, it going to work out, but they will come to pass. So while we go through trials or different things that happen in our lives that derail us, we can understand that God's plan is greater than the suffering that this life throws at us because he has given us a new home, a new life, and will never abandon us. No one sums it up better than the writer of Hebrews when drawing the application of the hall of God's great faithfulness uh, as the writer of Hebrews at the end in Hebrews 12.1. And it, it says... Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with the endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility by sinners against him, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. This message has been brought to you by Alpine Bible Church in Lehigh, Utah. If you'd like more information, please visit us online at alpinebible.com.